0: Happy 100th anniversary to us. Happy 100th episode is what I meant.
1: Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh.
0: And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hi, welcome to a very special episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. I am the girlfriend, Cindy.
1: I am Josh, not the girlfriend, the (laughs) presumptive murderer.
0: And 100 episodes ago, uh, he had the crazy idea to record my response to, uh, I believe at the time, we started with Chainsaw Massacre, didn't we?
1: Yep. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was our very first movie. And
0: uh, we've gone from there. So
1: We've gotten a little bit better at podcasting and a lot better at watching movies.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's funny to go back to the first mm, 30 and how long they are and and, uh, kind of all over the place.
1: I'll be honest with you. This is... This podcast is flirting with becoming the most long-term, consistent thing I've ever done with my life. You're welcome. Uh, just saying, like, professionally, this is starting to rival a lot of other shit I've done in my life. <laughs> well, what are we going to do? You,
0: you've you had... Uh... You've been plotting what we're going to watch tonight for quite
1: some time. Well, we're doing our Carpenter twofer. So we did Prince of Darkness last week, and then this week we are upping the ante with the most Lovecraftian John Carpenter film. We're combining one of my favorite creators in uh, Lovecraft, his universe, his monsters, his ideas, with maybe my favorite, second favorite, I'd say maybe my second favorite genre filmmaker of all time, Maybe favorite, John Motherfucking Carpenter. And this all coalesces at episode one hundred with In the Mouth of Madness. In the
0: Mouth of Madness. We kinda of kicked around a lot of different movies and I now know we'd went with none of them.
1: So this movie came out February third of nineteen ninety four. This is for all for in my opinion, this is the last great John Carpenter film. So this comes off of he did They Live mm-hmm. in I think eighty eight. And then he did Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which was not well received. Was that one with Chevy Chase? Yeah, he (sighs) tried to get his name taken off of it because Chevy Chase is a dickhole. True. Uh, And then he did the TV pilot Body Bags, then this, and then this was followed by Village of the Damned. And I think this is the last, like, Carpenter high point. I mean, not saying that the movies that followed are terrible, but they don't. They're not nearly as scary or as good as this movie. I think this is the last. Looking back, the last hurrah for Carpenter. Okay,
0: I think I follow you.
1: Yeah, the other films that came out in 1994 to give you kind of a basis of where this falls in your movie watching history. So okay. yep, we've got 1994, The Crow.
0: Hmm, this is an important year for me. Go ahead.
1: Legends of the Fall. A very important year for me. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Very important year for me. The Mask. Yeah, that's an important year. Stargate. Mm, I wasn't one of those chicks, but okay. And Natural Born Killers. Yeah. Because I remember Natural Born Killers dominated. All everything people talked about that year was
0: Woody Harrelson. Well, Forrest Gump is adorable,
1: and, and then Natural Born Killers being fucking insane.
0: Uh yeah, I had I started hanging out with the stoner group around that time and that was all they could talk about was uh, dropping acid and watching that movie i
1: can remember being in like a hills i think it was hills with my mom and his hills like a department store yeah it was a department store it was the best department store (laughs) and someone was like talking about natural born killers like it was the second coming of the antichrist and i remember thinking i kind of want to see this movie now (laughs) and i didn't see it for for, like years after that but it it was on my radar from that moment okay
0: um, so, two uh, thousand four. 1994, uh, I was 14. Uh, I guess that would be, yeah, my freshman year of high school.
1: I was 12. Yeah, okay. I was 12. It was the year, are you ready for this? This yes. is really going to place it in the cultural zeitgeist. Okay. Uh, a certain Nancy Kerrigan yep. was clubbed in her leg. Yep.
0: We. It's so interesting how things didn't age. Um, like... For going to a really small high school, we had a really top-notch yearbook. It won awards. Like, it was pretty cool. And there's a whole section of, like, what like key things that happened that year.
1: Weird humble brag.
0: Well, I, I, this is why I remember <laughs> as my freshman year is because they talked about Tanya Harding and Harding and Nancy Kerrigan, and they talked about um, Lorena Bobbitt. And I remember how like we how it was very polarizing, and now we look back, and it was like, oh, Tanya Harding got a raw deal, and Lorena Bobbitt was a like domestic abuse
1: survivor. So, wow, we really got, got, we really got it wrong there. Yeah, I will just say if you've never watched *I Tanya*, it's worth it. Robe, It's so good. It's so good. It's the *Goodfellas* of ice skating movies. You think? It's structured just like *Goodfellas* with the flashbacks and the talking to the Fair. camera and every, it's it is it is basically like if Martin Scorsese made a biopic of Nice prof- uh, professional no, figure skating. Tanya Harding's <laughs> life. It's so fucking good. Fair. That, that led I've into, seen it a few times. That led into the Lillehammer Olympics. Right. That's also the year that the Rwandan genocide began. Oh my
0: gosh, yeah. Uh,
1: Nelson Mandela was elected president of South Africa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember where I was when O.J. Simpson got arrested. I was, was going to say was that. Yeah?
0: yeah. They yeah. held uh, the bells in my. High school it must have been because they were getting ready to read the verdict, and every, you know everyone was watching it inside their classroom. So they held the bells, so that we could watch what the verdict was live. Yeah,
1: I don't think people understand that you're younger. So I had a health class with Bob Burton, and it was in the auditorium slash lunchroom slash theater place. Right, Catholic, my school Catholic was Genitorium. Fucking tiny. But he would basically like. Spend 20 minutes going over health stuff, and then he would just turn the TV on and just watch the trial. Fair. Fair. So, I a lot of my knowledge of base actual courtroom proceedings come from watching that trial like <laughs> daily. Wow, and no, so I didn't have that experience. We, like, we had a daily like Monday through Friday for like 25 30 minutes of my day. I watched that you trial just every day, glued. Like, and it's, I didn't even give a shit. Yeah. It was just, that was, we had no option. Bob mm. Burton was super into so it. So that's what you guys were going to watch. So he he would, like, fly through the lessons so he could make us watch the OJ trial.
0: <laughs> that's a thing. Wow. So yeah. does this movie kind of reflect those times? Or no? Not
1: really. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's helpful to know that it came out in 1994 and what it came out against. For, like, effects reasons? or. However, this movie does not feel like a product of 1994 this feels like the last vestiges of like a power 70s 80s john carpenter being like this is my vision like this is carpenter operating and his most carpentery in the like halloween fog would you call him a master carpenter yeah i would he's actually considered a (laughs) master of horror but, um, um, it's true. That's, yeah. That's a I thing. was but making
0: a pun, but I, I
1: got it. There are Masters of Horror, they do dinners in LA, Ooh. and they all get together, all these directors and hang out, and then they became the Masters of Horror because of Guillermo del Toro, because they were, they would have dinner at the Hamburger Hamlet.
0: Why the Hamburger
1: Hamlet? Just because they, something they all agreed on when they first started doing it. Okay. And there was a lady having a birthday, a, a table over, and they were all having a good time. And when they came out and sang "Happy Birthday" to her, Guillermo del Toro stood up and was like, "On behalf of the Masters of Horror, we wish you a Happy Birthday." That's adorable. <laughs> and then he just named them all the Masters of Horror. So adorable. That's okay, so
0: back to 1994. John Carpenter, tell me about it.
1: Uh, well, hold on. Let's finish 1994 okay. first. You're always jumping ahead on me. I always am. The people that were born that year: are Harry Styles and Dakota Fanning. Oh my word people that died that year, Telly Savalas, Brandon Lee, (laughs) Brandon Lee, John Candy,
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Peter Cushing, and Kurt Cobain.
0: Wow. What a year.
1: Yep. That it was indeed. That was a
0: big year for, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize until I was doing the research on this how important 1994 was to my life. Very, very big year. Right? Like, there are movie years, like Eighty-two, the year I was born, is such a good year for movies with like Blade Runner and The Thing and E. T. and I think Poltergeist, like all these fucking incredible movies. Nineteen ninety-nine is known as like a banner, incredible year with everything that came out that year. But nineteen ninety-four has such a weird
0: cultural significance. significance
1: to my childhood growing same, up.
0: Same, same, same. Like same. I think I was the
1: right age, and all these things were kind of happening, and I was picking up on them. Okay, right, like. people always say, like, oh, you're an 80s baby, you're born in the 80s. But, like, I don't remember a lot of the mid-80s. Maybe some of the late 80s. And this is kind of
0: where, I don't mean, like, I checked out, but this is kind of where, this is where I remember choosing sides. Like, some of my friends started to become, like, the stoners. And I kind of hung out with them, but then some of my kids, my friends are like, the drama club, and I hung out with You know what I mean? It was definitely kind of a time... Instantly, losing Kurt Cobain the way that we did, and yeah, it was it was definitely a year.
1: It's this year, this era, is when I think my personality and your, I think probably maybe yours, really was formed. formed yeah, agree. Right, like who I, who I decided to be, who I molded myself into, what inspired me,
0: all started
1: through high school. Through high school, really started. Here, I think with like ninety three, ninety four.
0: Okay. Right? Yeah.
1: Like seeing Pulp Fiction and being like this rather than Forrest Gump.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did love that Forrest Gump like
1: though. All right. But let's talk about the actual movie. This movie. This movie. Because I'm not gonna lie, we watched Prince of Darkness. We did. I really like Prince of Darkness. I like this movie more. Okay. I flirted with doing them reverse. This is actually the we mentioned in the Prince of Darkness episode that the Carpenter's unofficial apocalypse trilogy which is the yes. thing, Prince of Darkness, and then this is the third one.
0: Oh, uh, okay.
1: So, and this is kind of like in scope. It's not the best one. Shout out to the thing, but this <laughs> one is the largest one, I feel like. Okay. It has the biggest implications.
0: Okay, I'm trying to make sure I follow.
1: You'll see. I, I'm not trying to give away the plot. But, okay. Uh, like we said, this is uh, directed and scored by John Carpenter. It's actually written by Mike DeLuca. Uh, Mike DeLuca is a big-time executive. I know that name. That was at New Line. Hmm. You know, that was originally the house that Freddie built. And yes. then they went on to do, like, Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> so Mike DeLuca's big claim to fame was he was a producer of The Mask, Dark City, Austin Powers, The Social Network, but he's the guy who discovered Paul Thomas Anderson after his first movie and wow. brought him This has to, been a good year for this guy. <laughs> yeah, brought him to New Line and produced Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Gotcha. Yeah. So
0: definitely an important person. So this, we are Paul Thomas Anderson fans, that's for damn sure. Yep.
1: Yeah. so this movie is co-produced by Mike DeLuca and Sandy King, who is John Carpenter's now wife. Okay. And I think we mentioned Gary Kibbe in the last episode. That uh, Prince of Darkness was the first movie he shot for Carpenter, and he went basically all the way through except for two. So he shot this movie as well. Nice. Now the cast for this movie is pretty fucking good. All right, hit um, me up. What we got? There's some there's some pretty ridiculous names in this, including one I'm gonna say extended cameo, which is okay. pretty incredible. Okay. So this movie stars Sam Neill as John Trent. Sam Neill. One of my all-time favorite actors. Okay. So, everyone who's listening to this, everyone with the sound of my voice, you know him as Dr. Alan Grant.
0: I do not know him as <laughs> From that. Jurassic Park. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Oh, right. Sorry.
1: Continue. Uh, he was also in The Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, yeah. I do totally know him. Yeah. He's in Possession. He's just fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, he's such a good actor, it blows my mind. So, <laughs> he's the lead character. This movie also stars Jurgen Prochnow. As Sutter Kane, love who, that name. Yeah, oh yeah, you're gonna love Sutter Kane. Um, he is a German actor who's best known for Das Boot, and he was the bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop Two. Never seen it. Julie Carmen's in this. She plays Linda Styles. Let's see. Linda Styles, the same year Harry Styles was born. What crazy? So she's in The movie Gloria, which I love, and Fright Night Two. David Warner plays Doctor Wren. He was Ed Dillinger and Tron. Never saw. He but was okay. the photographer and the omen that got his head cut off. Oh, with the okay, plate glass yeah, thing. Yes. Uh, he's that, in time after 19. time. He's the bad guy in Time Bandits. He's the bad guy in Waxwork. I feel like they would know him as the scientist who created the ooze in Ninja Turtles two. Okay. the, of the ooze. Okay. Like Faces the, are coming. The British forward, scientist and... who's like, oh, hangs out with the turtles okay. and yeah, that's him. That's David Warner. That was my first experience with David Warner. Was, and I still go back to Ninja Turtles I wonder too. how he would feel about that. Probably not great. Okay. I know he has an intense fear of flying, so anytime they have to, they hire, he's British, he comes over by boat. <laughs> he, he's a yachtsman. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to fly it. It's not happening. Uh, this movie also stars John Glover as Saperstein. He's Daniel Clamp. From Gremlins 2, the Trump guy, he plays the the guy who owns the building in Gremlins 2. Right. Uh, He's in Scrooged. He is the Riddler on Batman the Animated Series. From the 90s. We mentioned Peter Jason last week. Mm -hmm. He's back, because he's in like every Lake Carpenter movie, everything from They Live on, I think. As we've
0: learned, you find something good, you stick with it.
1: Now, here are two ridiculous kind of cameos that are big.
0: Big kind, big kind
1: of cameos. Charlton Heston. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Charlton Heston is a big one. Jackson Harglow? You know him from Ben Hur and Planet of the Apes. You know him from being Charleston Charlton Heston. I honestly think he's in like two scenes in this whole movie. Does he get top billing though? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't I I don't think he does. I think he, like, somewhere in the middle.
0: Okay. Because
1: this was the era where he was kind of getting out of acting, and he would just show up and do, like, little bit things. Like, in Tombstone, where he's just the guy who owns the um, ranch that Mm -hmm. they stay at. He's in, like, one scene. He was just on, like, one off. Just to kind of get the name there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Frances Bay, you know her and you love her as the grandma from Happy Gilmore. Yes. (laughs) And she was Aunt Barbara in Blue Velvet. Oh, yeah.
0: Of course, you remember that one.
1: And then I'm going to throw out two more real fast for fun. Hit me. So, this movie has Wilhelm, Wilhelm. von Hornburg. Von Hornburg. Yeah, he plays a character named Simon. He's very. You, once you see him, is you'll be very like, I've seen him before. Oh, okay. He is Vigo the Carpathian from <laughs> Ghostbusters 2.
0: I was just going to make a reference to that. That's funny. He All is right.
1: Vigo. Yeah, he is the Vigo, painting Vigo, come Vigo. alive. Vigo. He's the man who was shot, stabbed, hung, disemboweled, drawn, and quartered, and poisoned, and didn't die. And then came back. Yeah. So, and then lastly, there is a paper boy in this movie. hmm Just a little kid throwing out the papers. And uh, that is Hayden Christensen. Whoa. Who would be Anakin in Episodes 2 and 3. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. There is, just, just to give you one last little... Just a smidge of trivia beyond the Apocalypse Trilogy thing. All right. So there is a French film magazine. It was started by all these film critics that went on to be these huge filmmakers in the 60s in France. All right. Called uh, Caire du Cinema. And they've the magazines kept going, and they named this the best movie of 1994. Cool. <laughs> they were like, yeah, this movie.
0: All right. So you got a, you got a poster for me? So I'm going to try and figure out meaning... Of the movie, so I know it's going to be a monster. I know that there's going to be some world beyond or interdimensional play. Lived any good books recently in the mouth? Okay, so it's an open book and a house and human being sucked in or being pulled out. That's what I'm going to say happens. Someone gets lost inside a book, kind of like the um, video for "Take on Me" by Uh Aha. You know what I mean?
1: Who was in? And then like.
0: It up, they throw
1: it away and they're like no sorry. I, I like it I like where your head's at Um, you're not close but I like where you went with it <laughs> I think you like this movie it's it's actually pretty scary it's got some really good effects I mean uh, a, lot of, a lot of jump scares I would say I think the, the 90s gets a really shitty rap for being a bad decade for horror movies and I think this is easily in the top Five, maybe, yeah, of the 90s. I really, okay, really like this movie, and I'm kind of glad we're doing it for the 100.
0: All right, well, join us as we
1: uh watch this on what, Amazon. Uh, no, I got we well, got Sean the Blu ray, I'm sure so we're, we're doing we're doing a Blu ray, I'm sure
0: there's a fee on Amazon.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, so join us,
0: mind get, the doors,
1: get your Lovecraft on with us and John Carpenter. <laughs> Could not meet the demand of Sutter Kane's novel In the Mouth of Madness. Kane
0: disappeared two, two months ago without a trace. Isn't the guy that writes horror books. You can forget about Stephen King. Kane outsells them all. I need to know if he's alive or dead, and I need that book. It's a setup. It's a setup. I just have to work out how it's set up. Kane's writing has been known to have an effect on his readers. This it's a map. This whole thing has been staged. You just get out. This is not reality. It's all happening for real, Trent. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. What happy, did
1: you think? Happy 100. Happy 100th to
0: you. Well, okay. I like this one. Kinda. I like kinda. It
1: gets a qualifier. Yeah.
0: So we watched Into the Mouth of Madness.
1: Or just In the Mouth of Madness. In the,
0: I always say the names wrong. What was I calling it earlier? Out of the Mouth of Darkness or something? Anyway. Uh, we watched that. <laughs> we had a crazy Blu-ray, but it's also available on Amazon for a fee. All right.
1: So, Screen Factory has literally put everything John Carpenter's ever done out on Blu-ray. Well, that means point. that he's released, or you know, whoever yeah. has the copyright, everything has released everything it. they've ever he's ever directed, including like the TV movies. So that done.
0: means that Josh has it.
1: I do. They're all right <laughs> there. I can point at them. They're all right. Oh, there. Oh yeah, there they are. Yep.
0: You did not buy them in a box set, like like your friend came, like your friend did.
1: You can't get them in a box set.
0: Oh no, that's right. It was just the Halloweens.
1: Yep.
0: Well. Let's talk about Halloweens. Let's talk about this movie. Okay. This movie here, I'm going to do a quick summation. Quick being... Maybe not. A little asterisk by that. Think... So a guy like Stephen King. Think super popular. Like Stephen King, 93. Like top of his game. Excellent. Been writing for years. Everyone loves him. Um... Actually, creates a portal to another realm. I guess no, uh, there needs to be more than asterisks. Next to quick. Anyway, and uh I okay now I can't figure it out. I was I did have like this real easy way of saying it's like Stephen King meets. An insurance adjuster, and then together they go to hell. But that's not right.
1: I mean, that, that's a lot better than where you were going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what does... I... <laughs> I'm right, though. It, he's an author, top of his game, goes missing. Uh,
1: the top plot synopsis on IMDb is okay. an insurance investigator begins discovering that the impact a horror writer's books have on his fans is more than inspirational.
0: Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Segment um, of it
1: Yeah This movie has a very Invasion of the Body Snatchers feel This movie also
0: has the honor of being the only movie That I have woken you up to ask you about
1: Because I was still thinking about it hours later it, it, I mean, it's a good one But if you Did we watch the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yes with. I know we uh, watched the remake from the 70s Did we watch the one from the 50s? No Okay so it starts. It's structured a lot like this movie, where this movie opens at the end with the, he, John Trent, the Sam Neill character, who is mental insane. I say in quotes because he's not really insane; he's just seen some crazy shit. Right, and he, he gets locked you. up, and then it goes back to the beginning, and you see he's like a boring insurance adjuster who sniffs out fraud, and discover the story happens of him trying to track down. Sutter Kane, who's disappeared. I love because name, by the way. this movie is full of really good names. Charlton Heston's character's name is Jackson Harglow. And he hires Sam Neill to track uh, Sutter Kane down, which he does, along with uh, a lady from the book publishing company. Does he? They find him in a small town called Hobbs End. It's a town that basically, very Lovecraftian-like has become a doorway to a Lovecraft-type dimension with, like, Cthulhu monsters. Right. And they're using Sutter Kane as an entryway into our but world, the world to fundamentally change everything and create an apocalypse. Okay.
0: Turns out that that's not yeah. even... But, like, that's not even... It's the world that he wrote about in his stories. Yes, yeah,
1: the world he writes about is becoming the real world. Got it. Okay. Right. And this movie has... Well, we'll talk about the ending a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the ending of this movie is so, so, so good. But it was an excellent movie. It plays with the concept of, of flipping the script. I think they even say, which is a terrifying thought for me, that if enough people go insane and they don't sane the people, they're the normal. Correct. And you're now the insane person. Fact. Which is fucking terrifying because I feel like we're there almost.
0: Yeah.
1: It's <laughs> yes. like half the country is insane right
0: now. Yeah, not too, uh... It's worrisome that that's becoming the norm.
1: I agree. Yeah. Uh, I like your comparison of Sutter Kane uh, Sutter to Stephen, Stephen King. King, but he, I feel like he's more Lovecraft. I think... Oh, no, for sure. The, I just meant... The popularity. Yeah, of,
0: there's so yeah. few authors uh, in modern memory who have reached that kind of fame. Do you want know like... Charles Dickens, <laughs> there was Dickens mania. But, you know, Stephen King fans are a tried and true, you yeah. know, they're a hardcore bunch. Um, and <laughs> that's kind of what I meant by that comparison. And that they create these worlds that people just love. And it accidentally becomes real.
1: Yeah. And another thing, like speaking of comparisons, we I talked a minute ago about how this structurally is like invasion of the body's nature. yes but the one you saw from the 70s as well where when you fall asleep you're replaced and this you actually have to take an active hand in your destruction by reading the book or, or the watching end. the movie or the end, yeah the last chapter for the ending you I thought it was movie, the movie, the movie, movie and you go crazy the
0: last chapter if so, you finish you can't finish the last
1: chapter you don't, you don't even have to read it like Basically, like, reading any of it drives you crazy. Because he grabs characters and just puts their face to the book, and then they're fucking crazy. But she said, she, she went... Uh, she read all the way to the ending, which is why she had to stay.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, okay. She I didn't lose that. her
1: mind because she read she, to the she end. She just couldn't leave. She couldn't leave with him because right. she read to the end. Yeah, I remember that now. You're right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So this movie is kind of... Crazy, yeah, but in, a, also in the funnest kind of way possible, willingly accepting the apocalypse, yes, and joining in with the masses in your species' destruction is kind of what this movie is about. At the end, it's what the ending of this movie is about,
0: oh, as we stare forlornly at each other, remembering the incidents of January. But, uh, like, it's whatever. if you didn't see
1: this movie, it has a very this may be the most Lovecraftian Lovecraft movie we've seen so far. We've it got checks... monsters, portals, it... creeping doom. Like <laughs> he to... wasn't
0: seeking immortality. No, though.
1: I, I don't think that's a trait in every okay, Lovecraft gotcha. thing. The thing with Lovecraft is the thing that I find about his writing that I, I find to be terrifying is it's set. Your fate is set in stone, right? Like, and ultimately you don't matter, <laughs> like. John Trent, Samuel's character, only exists in this movie to deliver In the Mouth of Madness back to Charlton Heston's character. So that it's published. So it can be published in his gospel spread. He has no power to stop that from happening. That's he just, burns his, the book. he's
0: a cog in the wheel.
1: Yeah, he burns the book. He leaves the book he try, he tries to it, leave behind. Yeah. He throws it away. He it's always shows up and but tells. The cat
0: came back yeah, the very next He day. shows
1: up and tells Trump and Huston, he's like, don't publish this book. My story's crazy, but you got to believe me. And he's like, what do you, you? were here like five weeks ago and turned it in. Yeah, you turned it in. Like it's being made into a movie.
0: And so. Surprise, <laughs> the. Uh, what's the actress's name? Uh, Julie Carmel? Julie, yeah. Was. Who? Who? What? I never sent you. What? I, I don't know. She have doesn't a person. exist. She doesn't exist. She was there to further the plot.
1: Yeah. Well, he even addresses that. He's like, she's been written out.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, because she Samuel tries to that. end
1: it. Because she doesn't serve a purpose anymore. Yep. And so she's a character that can just be dropped out of the narrative. So she no longer exists. Like, do you think Sam Hill's character ever really existed, or he was just written into existence I think, by Sutter King?
0: I think that he is a character trapped in a continuous loop. Yeah. Because remember, there was like um, the posters on that one wall and he kept trying to peel it back to see what was behind it. And then at the end of the story, it ended up being um, part like it was just it, like that was, I think, the starting point of like, oh, the loop now continues. Your job is just to turn in this manuscript. Oh, you deleted it in this one. OK, another loop. Oh, mm-hmm. you burned it in this one. OK, another loop. It's,
1: oh, you delivered
0: it. You know what I mean?
1: It's like being in hell. It's yeah. like your own personal version of hell. And the thing with Lovecraft, like I said, it's basically like you ha- everyone's fate is doomed because humanity will eventually die. Because just to look upon these monsters drives you crazy. Right. Let alone yeah. you can't fight them. Um, and and then- they're
0: so crazy. It, when you say something like that, you just looking at a monster drives you crazy. You can't fathom the things that are that come out in a Lovecraft movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, even after I had seen everything I thought <laughs> whoa. Um, the color the Nicolas Cage movie. The color of the space. The fusion of the mother and son, oh my god like oh oh my gosh. It was wild. Like it was wild. It it, it it's very the fly in that like, it's almost like the light would shine on them and then it was like, oh, and it would try to re- replicate, but, oh, it's just one big mass of people, not two separate people. It, it, it's
1: foul, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, the idea that we're so fundamentally weak as a species yeah, that even being near these advanced beings, these gods, fundamentally alters our weak-ass DNA and makes it into something else. Agreed. Like, that's... <laughs> That's Lovecraft, right? Agreed. The same with, like, the doomed fatalism of being human and trying to deal in this world. Like, we're all kind of pawns in a much larger, like, ancient game of chess where we don't even know what the moves are. I know zero about Lovecraft.
0: Was he heavy into psychotropic
1: drugs? I don't believe so. He was just... That guy. Yeah, and it's also kind of been reported that some of his writing was like oh this is what happens when you mix races like fish people and, oh yeah because let's not forget he was also like not a good Hell person so but he created a really interesting sandbox that he, other people I would say got he, to play in
0: he opened a door to a new way of doing things that couldn't have been done without someone like him opening that door yeah. I'll give you that because um, these things are very unique
1: so you think that Sam Neil is a character in the book.
0: Yeah, he's just a cog in the wheel.
1: I think you might be right. And I think there's a thing in the movie that supports your theory. Tell me about
0: how I'm right.
1: So do you remember once he goes into the asylum and they lock him in the room mm-hmm. and then the doctor comes and visits him mm-hmm. and he's like, you only had one request. Yes, for a single black crayon. He's literally covered... In crosses and drawings, mm-hmm. like a page of a book. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
0: Even, like, his body, his everything. His his, skin. His,
1: yeah, his skin, his fit fa- Everything is covered. Yeah. Like, he, it looks like he's a page out of a book. Yes. And then it's also a page out of a book that allows the monsters into our world. Like, Sutter Kane gets is in front of... that why you think he chose all those crosses? Gets in front of the door and, like, rips himself like a page. Ugh. And then yes. that's what opens the portal between words, uh, worlds, words huh. and worlds. So, <laughs> yeah, slip of the tongue, but appropriate slip of the tongue. So, yeah, yeah. I I love this movie, and I, I know, a lot. I know people that don't, and I get why people don't. This is definitely not a movie that's for everyone. I know some people that are like, I just want John Carpenter to make Halloween, <laughs> or... There's nothing the wrong with that. Like this is the third of his apocalypse trilogy, and this is the most apocalyptic.
0: Have we seen all of them? Have I seen all no. of them now?
1: Okay, there's Prince of Darkness and this, and the first one is the thing. But we didn't watch the thing.
0: Oh, does the Arkob formula apply to this movie? I don't know. I don't. I just don't think it does. There's no. I mean, it's it, not a revolutionary idea because it, it's based on you know this the idea of another. Lots of killing. There was some fun oratory little pieces here and there. Definitely fantasy, obviously. There's no fornication. So, but I don't think it was meant to be an exploitation movie. It was never, you know what I mean? Do you think this was supposed to be a blockbuster?
1: Yes, I think this was supposed to be a big movie. okay. I mean, I don't think anyone makes... Well, like, nobody makes... A a big studio release horror movie with the expectation that it's not going to be big.
0: Oh no, that one guy did. Like Mm. the guy from Mannequin the guy who produced Mannequin too. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. Uh
1: I I feel like the Arcal formula fit Prince of Darkness better. Yeah. But i I agree. I personally believe this movie's better. And I know there are gonna be people that are gonna not like that (laughs) and I apologize. But for me, honestly, I think In the Mouth of Madness is so fucking good. And I tend to want to go back and watch this more than Prince of Darkness. I can see that, yeah. I think this is John Carpenter's scariest movie. This is very
0: rewatchable, even for as many times as it scared me and grossed me out and even made me think. It is very rewatchable. I would definitely rewatch this to try and pick up things that I didn't... You know what I mean? There's so many layers to it and things to look for or... Theories to kind of draw. What kind do you, of?
1: Do you want to hear some? I want to hear about, trivia, yeah. specifically to Lovecraft. To Lovecraft or to this movie? I can give you both, but Ooh, there's Lovecraft too. with this. So, the works of Sutter Kane are occasionally quoted in the movie, but most of the quotes are actually taken from H.P. Lovecraft short stories and adaptations, uh, and then fit into the story. All right. So, so the scene where Styles reads to Trent as he gazes into the abyss, and she says, the uh, a limitable gulf of the unknown from the is from the last few paragraphs of Lovecraft's The Rats in the Walls. In an earlier scene as well, he reads um, from The Haunter in the Dark when he references the Black Church as being the seat of an evil older than mankind and wider than the known universe. That's so a Lovecraft thing. Those are out of Lovecraft. It references the old ones along with certain representations of monsters printed in other books. Uh, oh, the, the old ones,
0: th- ones is a lovecraft thing
1: yeah like those are the ancient monsters who are the gods that were yeah, here before the us titans. right right uh oh, so sorry. there are six sutter Kane novels which trent uses to track down the town on hobbs end correct so they're the hobbs end horror the feeding the whisperer in the dark something in the cellar the breathing tunnel and haunter out of time and these titles are direct references to hp lovecraft works so they're the Dunwich Horror, Whisper in the Darkness, Rats in the Walls, The Thing in the Doorstep, Shadow out of Time, and the Haunter of the Dark. The title in the Mouth of Madness, his last book, which is the title of the movie, gotcha. is a reference to Lovecraft's maybe most famous work, At the Mountains of Madness. So that's a thing. It's um, very
0: interesting that not you know I love to read and it's kind of my thing and I, I teach it you know as well. And I've never read anything by Lovecraft. Not even like tangentially like mentioned.
1: not surprised because I think horror would definitely you would have been like no. Fair. And then once you knew kind of how Lovecraft was as a person you would have been like horror and a piece of shit. I'm I'm out. Yeah. I
0: draw hard lines about things. You better be a good person, (laughs) damn it.
1: So this, like I said, this takes place in a in a fictional town called Hobbs End. End, obviously, is the end. Right. And Hobbs is an old word for the devil. It is. Huh. So, Devil's End. And Hobbs End is the... To go back to last week's episode about Prince of Darkness. So, Hobbs End is the subway station and uh, Quator Mass in the pit. And... When John Carpenter wrote Prince of Darkness, he wrote it under the pseudonym Martin Quatermass because he loved that character so much and wanted to do a science horror film like a Quatermass film. Okay. So there's a little bit of Quatermass in there too. I Um, love that
0: name again.
1: Yeah. The exterior of the mental institution at the beginning is actually a water filtration plant in Toronto, and it was the scene of the island fortress in the movie Undercover Brother. (laughs) Well, wow! Didn't think you would hear me say the words "undercover brother." Tonight, did you? Yeah. I did
0: not. <laughs> learn something new every day. Yeah. Wow! 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 So okay. Sam
1: Neill got this movie because he this was his follow up to Jurassic Park. Really? <laughs>
0: this is I thought he looked exactly. It must have been about the yeah, same time when, when he did Jurassic looked, Park,
1: looked and Jurassic Park was the fucking mega hit. You remember it being? They were like, what do you want to do next? What do you want to do next? And he said, John Coffin to film. In the mouth of Madness." (laughs) And everyone was like, okay, weird, but okay. I thought Um, it was good. And he got this movie because he did just come off of Jurassic Park. The movie did at one point almost go to Tom Berenger, which Uh had been cool. James Woods. Yeah. uh Michael Keaton. Gabriel Uh Byrne. Uh,
0: I can see Keaton. Or Ray Liotta. I can see Keaton. I can't
1: see Ray Liotta. And the Sutter Kane role was this close to going to Rucker Hauer. Really? Which, I'm not going to lie, I enjoy Jurgen Prock now.
0: That would but have been...
1: Man, Rucker been Hauer and Sutter Kane would have been incredible. Interesting. I would have been all about that. So the ending of the movie, Let's right, talk about that the wall of monsters that come through the door mm-hmm. right Were that was actually one single special effect that was attached to like a vehicle and what it was pushed it was like a wall of monsters right yeah no they but then would i'm push talking about... down the hallway and then different people worked levers to make different things move but one piece it was all one piece that was pushed together that's kind of cool it was one giant special effect it was built by um up. K&B effects. When Jürgen Proknau originally left the monsters into our side of the world in the original script, the whole town was sucked into this other Lovecraftian That's void. That's what
0: I thought was going to happen.
1: Yeah. And but it just kind
0: of disappeared.
1: That turned out to be too expensive.
0: Oh, well, okay.
1: <laughs> like, Cost-proof. The effects were dear. like, no.
0: No. I'm yeah, sorry. And then,
1: the like we talked about the end of the movie, when Sam Neil approaches the movie theater... And you see, In the Mouth of Madness is playing. They change the name of the characters. To what? Like, of the actors to be the characters in the movie. Right? Like, okay. so Sam Neill's character is credited as John Trent. Okay. But all of the rest of the credits on the posters and stuff and in the movie are the actual crew of the movie. Like, it's credited as being a John Carpenter film within a movie. Oh, right and okay. they give the cinematography credit to the cinematographer of the actual movie not of the movie inside the movie, the movie inside the movie like it's super meta like this is john carpenter's most meta movie well okay i so, imagine that would
0: have been a contract from hell
1: yeah well i mean it's just like hey, we're gonna give you double credits as a joke because you know it's not yeah like but it, you know like
0: all the guilds and stuff kind of go off of that well and...
1: but you gotta think that's just within the movie it's not like they got a a credit on imdb true they didn't get credited twice for making the same movie true it's just it was a subtle nod of like yes the movie you're watching is the thing that made you go crazy that makes everyone go crazy did
0: everybody watch this in january
1: and that's why we had an insurrection the beginning of january yeah yeah so (laughs) if you didn't watch this movie why wouldn't you not yeah because it's a good time well it's not a good time but it's it. yeah uh if you didn't watch this movie, so the ending is, after being deemed crazy and staying in the asylum and telling a story, monsters essentially take over, yep. and Samuel gives that insanely terrifying mm-hmm. speech of, like, in ten years from now, we'll just be a bedtime story that they tell their children about, like, we'll be a legend, because it yeah. won't exist anymore. The whole, That's, like, the whole theme of the yeah. movie. And then he gets out of the asylum, because everyone's dead, and he's maybe one of the last people on the planet that isn't one of these monsters. We don't and know. And rather than doing the thing that we think movie heroes would do of like, I'm going to fight back. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to, be you know. Yeah. He just gives up and then gets a tub of popcorn and then just goes and watches the movie and drives laughs himself crazy. Laughs and laughs. Yeah. Just so he can, yeah. Laughs until he cries. Just so he can just be up done. Because the world is fucked and no one cares anymore. Yeah. Might as well go out with a bang. Watch a fun movie that apparently everyone loves. The the ending in this movie is both really good and it's and very depressing. Really depressing because it's
0: hyper realistic. <laughs> it's so depressing. The chances of the last person being a hero uh, versus just being like, fuck it, I'm giving up. Yeah,
1: it's it's definitely more realistic. Yeah. yeah. So, what um,
0: are we watching next week? Um third week in April.
1: We are watching...
0: Would I watch this again? Yes. Would I watch it with my kids? Eh, the older one. I think once they're old enough, this is a decent PG-13 to R rating. It earns it for sure. So I think that is uh, kind of where I stand on that.
1: Next week... I would 100% watch this again today with, like, everyone again. Well, Um, okay. Dark City. We're doing Dark City. The follow-up. Alex Boyce's follow-up to The Crow. Oh, it's gonna be good, and it's it's not gonna gonna start. Brandon Lee, Brandon Lee will not be in this. Thank you for driving that home. Thank you. Uh, Let me ask you a question before we go. Okay, it's one hundred. This is one hundred. I want you to take a second. I'm surprising you with this question. I probably should have given you some prep time. Okay, I apologize. What are three movies out of the one hundred we've watched that stand out to you? since we started doing this. Uh,
0: Okay. You know I'm going to say we need to talk about Kevin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because that movie fucked me up for life. I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because that was the first real big scare in front of you. Like, you're reacting to me. That was the first time I would seen that. So I just kind of remember that. And I want to say probably... Stepfather 2? No, uh, no. <laughs> Stepfather
1: 2 Electric Boogaloo? With
0: Jonathan, with Jonathan, my precious Brandis. Um, hmm. I don't know. There are a few that come to mind that I remember for distinct reasons. This one has really made me think, really kind of threw me for a loop in what it was about. But so did Hellraiser. Show darn Fair. Huh. Oh, me pick Trick or Treat. That movie was awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I do love her. And Treat.
0: Pumpkinhead. I love Pumpkinhead. I would watch Pumpkinhead again right now.
1: <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, weirdly, the ones that stick out to me the most. I think the one that sticks out the most, if I had to pick a number one, yes. is Deathline. That was yeah, because that's our, by the doors. Yeah, and I think, because we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, as kind of like a test. To see how this would go, and I feel like Deathline is where we, I won't say we found our footing, but it's where we kind of started figuring where the direction we wanted to go. Yeah.
0: With this. Thing. How we we're gonna structure things. So. Agreed.
1: I have a lot of really good memories connected with Deathline. Um, connected with Deathline and, and you. <laughs> and you uh, and Death I would also say, the Babadook sticks out to me. Okay. Watching that together. That was yeah. I remember you looking at me being like, Yes, it's really fucked up that this movie has a mom who wants to kill her child. That's super fucked up and that's super a thing that people think every once. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: All. How can you love something so much and just want it to knock it off? Yeah. Yeah. Um that's two, or is that three? I've already lost count. That's two. I okay. would say
1: number three is Jaws, just because we did just cause that. Just because you love Jaws. We did it at a theater. We did. That's with, true. It's the only movie we've watched Oops. with a crowd of people.
0: Well, but that's because we also had a pandemic happen. It uh, was
1: pre-pandemic.
0: No, I know, but I'm saying that's why yeah. we haven't been able to replicate
1: that. Well, it was, they were shown Jaws at the theater. It was around, I think, the 4th, and everything just kind of lined up, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. I yeah, also love Jaws a sure lot. Was. All right, guys, go listen to our Jaws episode and hear me talk about how much movie um, means to me. All the right, the world. The world.
0: Well, world you world. can also join me and Josh next week when we're watching. Say it again. I already forgot. <laughs> guys, I still call it Into the Color of Madness. Skylight. I don't know. Wonder Dark what City. Dark City. All right, join us, won't you? Mind the doors.